This morning, as we continue in our service, we come to the last of our sermons on the book of John. As we read in the last chapter, chapter 21 of John, if you want to follow along, there should be some sermon notes online you can follow with or in your Bibles. We're going to read the first part of chapter 21 of John. It occurs after Jesus has risen from the dead. He's appeared to a couple of the disciples and all the disciples at one point or another. And now a little bit later. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, or the Sea of Galilee as we would know it. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, who we know as James and John, and two others of his disciples were all together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, well, we'll go with you. And so they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. So he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because the quantity of fish. And that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got to the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net wasn't torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. So Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. And then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Father, this morning as we read that, as we come to the end of this wonderful gospel of John and all the things that we've learned about Jesus and about you, Father, we thank you for this story, this story of recommissioning, of a fresh start, of a do-over. And Father, we pray as we read this that you would help us to understand it. Help us to see how you are calling us back again and afresh to a life of service and relationship with you. So, Father, be with us as we open this passage. Just uh, may it become real and alive to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, it seems hard to imagine or believe, but this is the last sermon I will preach as pastor at Westview. Next week, we will be doing kind of a farewell for Don and I, and uh, I will maybe be reflecting a little bit on Scripture, but it won't be a sermon. And I think this sermon is sort of um, special for me as well, because it is actually the same passage that I preached on in the second sermon I ever preached. So back in 1978, Don and I were students in Winnipeg, and we were doing our student work at a little church called Tabernacle Baptist. On my last Sunday, I was invited to preach, and I preached on John 15, that story of the vine and the branches, you know, remain in me. And afterwards, I was standing at the door, and a woman came, and as she was walking out, she said to me, that was your first sermon. And I said, yeah. And she said, yeah, first sermons are always the worst. And I had no idea how to take that, but I chose to believe the worst for me as the preacher, not for her as the listener. Anyway, a year later, uh, we're still in Winnipeg. We're now at Broadway First Baptist Church, and uh, on the last Sunday, I was invited to preach again. And I chose this passage, this passage of Peter and uh, Jesus on the beach. And to break the ice at the beginning, I told that story. I thought it was sort of funny. Um, anyway, I told the story, and I preached, and then I was standing at the door, and again, a woman, different one, but a woman came to me at the door, and she said, I can't believe that woman said that to you about your first sermon. I didn't think this one was so bad. And I didn't know how to take that one either. But I decided, you know what? I'm going to go to seminary and I'm going to continue in ministry and I'm going to preach every week and I'm going to do this to people every week if I can. And so I have. Anyway, today we finish this book. We finish the book of John, and we come to the story of the disciples trying to figure out what life is like when Jesus is gone. And when I was a kid back in Sunday school terrorizing the teachers, um, we were taught a little song that I've forgotten most of the words to. But uh, some of you who are maybe my age and above, you'll remember this song. Fished all night and caught no fishes. Fished all night and caught no fishes. Fished all night and caught no fishes down by the Duke Blue Sea. Uh, Deep theology, I realize, but yeah, you know, some of you will remember that. Uh, some of you were doing the actions uh, unconsciously as you heard that, but, uh, but I wonder if it ever feels that way for you. I wonder if life is ever this idea that, man, you work hard, and at the end of the day, your nets just feel empty. Maybe you work hard in a relationship, or maybe it's parenting, or maybe it's a job or work situation or something else, and at the end of the day, it's like nada. I mean, nothing. Or, you know, relating to Peter. This is what Peter and the lads experience. They, they decide when Jesus sort of disappears on them, he appears, but then he disappears for great periods of time. And they were down in Jerusalem where he was killed, so they go back up to Galilee, up to the lake there, and they go home. They go to what's familiar, and Peter says, I'm going fishing. And yet they catch nothing. And Jesus then turns it all around. And I think there's a tremendous lesson for us if you ever feel that your nets are empty after sort of fishing all night, whatever that means for you. But how do we understand and deal with that sense of sometimes failure or sometimes just emptiness 
after all our hard work. So Peter sees his career as a disciple over. He has denied Jesus three times on the night that Jesus was betrayed. He decides to leave Jerusalem. He's going back home to where it's comfortable, and he's going back home to where he knows what's going on. We read, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea, and this is how it happened. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, two other disciples, we don't know who, were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we're going with you. And so they went out, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. So Peter says, I'm going back to my village. I'm going back to home. I'm going back to what's familiar. I'm going to go out in my boat and fish. And I thought I would just claim that as my new life verse. You know, I'm going fishing. Don and I are moving out to Campbell River in a couple of weeks, and we bought our sailboat, the Chartus, and maybe we'll do some fishing. Challenge with the story is when they go back and they fish all night, they catch nothing. They have no success until a man who's just standing on the bank on the beach says to them, put your nets down on the other side. And I imagine after a frustrating night of fishing, the last thing you do is you listen to some stranger on the beach who always knows better than you. But to their credit, they do it. And the nets just fill up with fish. John put it this way. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples didn't know it was him. And Jesus said to them, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, well, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Now, I don't know if that brings back a memory for you, but I think it would have brought back a memory for Peter and James and John because they have experienced that once before. It was back when they were first getting to know Jesus, and he was first calling them into this role. And it's almost as if John has put a bookend around their relationship with Jesus. But back in Luke chapter 5, there is this story of how Jesus calls them to be his disciples. Jesus said to Simon, put into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon said, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, which would be James and John. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at his Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. So the story of the first call of Peter is, is now repeated because this is going to be the recall of Peter. It's the emptiness of fishing followed by a call to be fishers of people. And John, with his love of light and darkness, clarifies it happens at dawn. The light is coming into the darkness once again. And in the light, the fish are caught. And in the light, Peter sees Jesus again. And it's as if he's beginning to come out of the darkness of his denial of Jesus that happened on that Thursday before Good Friday. And he's coming out of the darkness of Jesus' crucifixion. John put it this way. 
The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they weren't far from the land, maybe a hundred yards off. And when they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out. Just parenthetically, the only other place we read of a charcoal fire in the New Testament is, G is Peter standing around one in the house of the high priest when Jesus was on trial and he denies Jesus around the charcoal fire. Just sort of interesting that he's so specific that it's not just standing around a fire. They stood around a charcoal fire and the fish were laid out and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you caught. So Simon went aboard and hauled the net ashore and 153 large fish. And although there were so many, the net was not sold. So Jesus comes to them and he meets with them and he reassures them that their job is not finished, that they are to be fishermen, but they are to be fishers for God. And that with God, they will be successful. In other words, it's not over. The fact that the nets are empty, the fact that their lives are empty, the fact that they have no idea of what the future is, the fact that they don't understand what Jesus is doing, doesn't matter. They are called back to ministry. It's a call on Peter in many ways, but it spills over into a call on all the disciples. It's as if Jesus is saying to them, if you just go back to, to what's familiar, if you just go back to the safety of your past life, it will be empty. And just to clarify that, Jesus takes Peter aside. When they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Then Jesus said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, tend my sheep. And Peter said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And it's in this end that we find the meaning of the passage. And it's in this that Jesus asks this probing question of Jesus, that I, uh, Jesus asks this probing question of Peter, that I think he's asking us today, you and me, he's asking us, do you love me? And this is where I started my sermon 41 years ago back in Winnipeg. At that time, ultra-bright toothpaste, which I don't even think is around anymore. But anyway, at that point, it was the cool toothpaste. And they were running these ads where they asked the question, how's your love life? And that had enough of a double entendre type double meaning that I felt risky using it in church. But, you know, being the youth pastor, eh, you feel you can get away with anything. But the question that Jesus was asking Peter was not, do people love you? which I think is the meaning of how's your love life. But do you love God? And there's kind of three things about that question that show its deeper meaning. And just really quickly here, the first one is that Jesus asks basically the same question three different times. And Peter answers the question the same way three different times. 
And you kind of question yourself and say, well, why would you ask the same question three times when you get the same answer each time? And I think the answer is, well, Peter denied Jesus three times on that Thursday evening before Good Friday. And this seems to be once for each of those denials, he's allowed to recant. He's allowed to profess his love for Jesus. And by the end, I think that's part of why Jesus is so grieved when Jesus asked the third time, because he's caught where that's going. Jesus asked the first time, Peter answers. He, he asked the second time, Peter answers, and he's trying to figure out why he asked again. But when he asked the third time, I think it's really clear. Jesus had predicted that Peter would deny him three times. And now there's these three asks. And Jesus is giving Peter the opportunity to recant his denial, to undo, to do over. And Peter realizes what's going on. So the first thing, why three questions? But the second one is, he asked, do you love me? And in English, when I read it out of the ESV translation, the word love is used in the six things. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. But in Greek, there's about four different words or more for love, and two different words are used in this. One of the words for love is agape. It's love which is like by choice. It's a high-level kind of love. Now, all these loves overlap, and you can use them interchangeably, like loosely, but, you know, more technically maybe. Um, agape is all about love by choice. Um, the other word is phileo. It's more love because of. And it's a brotherly kind of love. There's eros, which we get erotic from, which is an erotic kind of love. But, but philos is, is the love you have for your family members. It's uh, love that you have for your friends or your brother even. And Philadelphia comes from philos, meaning love, and adelphos, meaning brother. And so in spite of the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, it's why it's called the city is called the city of brotherly love, because that's really what the name means, philos, delphos, uh, love of brother. And so what Jesus asked Peter is, do you agape me? And what Peter responds with is, Lord, I phileo you. Second time, the same thing. Do you agape me? Peter says, I phileo you. Third time, Jesus changes the word. He goes to Peter's word. He says, do you phileo me? And then it says Peter was bent out of shape. Well, literally it says he was grieved when Jesus asked. And when the quote is made, it uses the phileo word. Now, maybe there's nothing in that. John loves to use different kinds of words. He's got three different words for fish just in that story. You know, he says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. Um, he does like variety, but he's also a really, really careful writer. And I think he loves symbolism. And I think there's a difference to be made here. Most often the word for love in the New Testament is agape. Because unlike the other types of love, it's love in spite of, you know, we, we love someone not because they're lovable, but because they're made in God's image and God loves them and he wants us to love them too. And so Peter, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me with that deep kind of love? And I just think Peter just 
after his um, denial of Jesus, he just can't bring himself to say that. And so he dials it down just a little bit. No, I phileo you, he says. He just hesitates, I think, to use that agape. And so the second time, Jesus just repeats, do you agape? And he says, no. Well, he doesn't say no. He says, I phileo. In fact, he says, you know I phileo. And then the third time, Jesus uses his word, do you phileo me? And I would translate that, do you even phileo me? So if Peter has dialed down the, the amperage on that word love, Jesus is kind of saying, yeah, but do you even do that? Really? And I think that's part of why Peter is grieved. Because Jesus says to him, do you phileo me? Well, whether or not that's important, I think it is, but you don't have to agree with me. But what Jesus is calling into question is the depth of Peter's love. How's your love life, Peter? Eh, not what I hoped for, Jesus, but it is there. And then the, the third thing in these three questions, if the first one is, why is there three questions? And the second one is, why did they change words between agape and phileo? The third thing is, the first question has an ending to it. Peter, do you love me more than these? And the question comes, these what? Jesus doesn't finish the sentence. Uh, more than these other disciples do? Because you remember, Peter boasted, hey, you know, uh, everybody else might uh, deny you, but I sure won't. Or is it more than these fishing things, the boat, the net, the fish? More than the familiar and the safe? And hey, why choose? Let's go with both and. Peter had boasted about being the last man standing. If Jesus got into trouble, hey, everybody else might bail, but I'll be there, he says, and then he bails. In fact, it's John who's at the foot of the cross when Jesus dies. Peter has long disappeared into the dark. And, and Peter has gone back to fishing. When this whole discipleship thing seems to be ended, he's, he's blotted his copybook, as we used to say in England. And, uh, you know, he's, he's no longer uh, worthy of it. And Jesus doesn't seem to be around anyway. He says, well, I guess it's all over. It was a great run while it lasted. I'm going back home and I'm going fishing. And Jesus wants to know, do you love me more? than security and comfort and those pleasant memories of just being out on the boat at night with the guys. And Jesus has these three answers to Peter's, three responses to Peter's answers. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And in those, I think Jesus is calling Peter back into ministry where Peter thought he had disqualified himself and denied Jesus three times, Jesus calls him back three times and commissions him to continue the shepherding that Jesus had begun. The great shepherd is no longer. The good shepherd is no longer going to be on earth. Now someone has to take on that role. I'd never really thought about it till this week, but I began to wonder, why do we have those two contrasting images? It starts off with a fishing image, and it ends with a shepherd image. And I began to think, well, maybe that's because that's the two great roles of a pastor, the two great roles of a church, 
is fishing is an image for evangelism always in the Bible. I will make you fishers of people, but shepherding is an image of discipleship. Feed my sheep, help them grow. And I think the goal of every church is really the same thing, outreach and discipleship. More disciples, better disciples. Fishing, shepherding. Okay, let's talk about me. Um, my last sermon before I paddle off or sail off into the sunset. And today I hear Jesus asking me, since you think you're done as a pastor, Dale, do you still love me? Do you love me more than your retirement plans? Do you love me more than being on the boat, being with family, sitting on the beach? Do you love me? And if I say yes, he says to me, keep fishing for people. Keep shepherding the flock. I have a role for you. It'll be different than here. But this is not the end. I am commissioning you for your next chapter. Okay, now let's talk about you. How are you doing this morning? We started with that. Maybe you're frustrated this morning by empty nets. You know, we said you've worked hard, and at the end of the day, it just seems like there's nothing there. Maybe we said relationships or parenting or work, or maybe you've worked hard on a relationship with God, and this COVID has just come in, and it's like it's cut all the strands in your net, and God has just kind of seeped away somehow. Maybe you've retired. Maybe you've stepped back from ministry of some kind, whether in the church or somewhere else. And you're stepping back and you're, and you're thinking, I'm going back where it's comfortable and where I can relax. And maybe today you echo Peter's thoughts, you know, I'm going fishing or golfing or quilting or one day, dear God, I want to go traveling. And Jesus comes to you this morning and he asks you this simple question, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Then fish for people. Feed my sheep. I have a role for you. So as we close out this morning, you know, the question comes, how's your love life? Has COVID frustrated you into being distracted by other things? Have you got so busy with other things that Jesus' question, do you love me more than these, cuts pretty close to the heart. Have you gone back to the familiar and the quiet? And Jesus coming to you today is a recall. It's a commissioning. It's a feed my sheep, fish for people moment. And I think this morning, Jesus just comes to us with that penetrating question. Do you love me? Do you deeply love me? Do you love me more than these other things in your life? And then he's calling us afresh back into his, into his kingdom to make a difference in this world, to make a difference in his kingdom. And he says to us, hey, be fishers of people. Hey, be shepherds of my flock. And we find that Renewal and fullness come when we recommit ourselves to God. 
Because when we do, God restores to us the joy of our salvation. Your net's empty this morning. God comes back to us and he calls us back to our first love. Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? And then he recommissions us this morning as well. Then be fishers of people. Then be feeders of the sheep. Be about the Father's business. And the nets will burst. And your life will be full. And as David said in that wonderful song, God will restore unto us the joy of our salvation. God's call on us today. Whatever our future looks like, whatever the past feels like, God's calling us today. Do you love me? Will you serve me? Let's recommit ourselves afresh to God today as well. Father God, we thank you for this passage, for the challenge of it, but also for the promise of it. That wherever we've been, we can start afresh. That wherever we see life going, you will come and fill that with your spirit and your presence. That where life sometimes feels like our nets are empty and our hearts are empty and our lives are empty, you come to fill that with your presence and your power. And so, Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for this promise that you will be with us, that you will take care of the past, that you will prepare a way into the future, and that we can walk with you and be used of you and make a difference for you in this world and in your kingdom. And we thank you for all that in Jesus' name. Amen.